nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. I'm really looking forward to today's episode because I think for the most part I'm going to just sit here... uh, Maybe not quite seething in anger, but at least being really, really annoyed. Will one of you talk about what we're doing today? We are talking about verbing and nouning, which is when you take a verb and make it a noun, or when you take a noun and make it a verb. In fact, before you said seething in anger, I think we should start from here on and call it, you were angering about <laughs> I was angering, yes. <laughs> Actually, I want to throw two more things in. We're not going to be talking about them as much, but there's not only verbing and nouning in English, there's also adverbing and adjectiving in English as well. <laughs> the whole basic idea is that in language sometimes um, you take what the verb, what the form of the word is and you kind of shove it into another form. And I think the best example I just read online just recently was to say turtle. That's a, obviously a noun, but then you could have someone turtling down the road, which is not a, I'm making this one up, but we know what turtling means. Now it's a verb and we can kind of see what the guy is, what the person's trying to say. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm interjecting. And I, I don't mean to make fun of your example, Ross, but turtling to me, because I think of beetling, which I have heard, but turtling, if yeah. you can imply that that means moving slowly, sounds too so much like hurtling. So I don't think it would ever okay. happen. Or do people really use turtling? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. okay. Example. A, <laughs> I got worried. But, <laughs> it's getting no, a little no. tense here. <laughs> no, it's an egregious example, though, of, <laughs> okay. of what we hear when that sort of ha- change happens. We hear a word that we normally know as a strong noun. We know what turtle is. Then suddenly, bang, it's being used in a different form, in this case, a verb. And that's what we're talking about today. And there's a lot of give and take. Is this good or bad? And I think Kath and I were talking about it. You, you were talking about a linguist, a ling, uh, tweet from a linguist, didn't you, Kathy? Yeah, we came up with a topic, actually, because I think it was on Twitter I had seen something. A linguist was saying, why do some get so upset about verbing nouns when they could be getting upset about nouning verbs? And then she said, <laughs> not saying that they should. Uh, give a prescriptive as a slogan, and that's where their attention goes. I.e., the bottom line is, the point that a lot of linguists take is everybody should just shut up and let this happen. Because it happens. But then other people go, but I don't like it. So this is sort of... As be- in Calvin and Hobbes, we have a... You can't see it, Fletcher, but there is a, a wonderful cartoon of Calvin and Hobbes. And Calvin goes, I like to verb words. Hobbes goes, what? Calvin goes, I take nouns and adjectives and use them as verbs. Remember when access was a thing? Now it's something you do. It got verbed. And then he goes the famous line, verbing weirds languages. <laughs> verbing weirds languages, yes. <laughs> language, yeah. I was just going to say, I liked Hobbes' last line. I would say, maybe we can eventually make language a complete impediment to understand. Them, which I think <laughs> yes, we're on, we are on the road to. well on the road to that. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, and Kathy and I have been working on this, a defense of verbing and nouning. Verbing and nouning are basically as old as the English language. Yeah. They have verbs and nouns have interchanged and formed different words 
over and over for hundreds and hundreds, nay, thousands of years. So before we get too upset, let's remember it's always been happening. It always will happen. Shakespeare was really big at it, for example. For Shakespeare, he had uh, Season Your Admiration, I think we found somewhere. Dog Them at the Heels. So it's not that new. It's been a going on. And I should throw in that the technical term for it is, very logically, functional shifting. Because you're taking the function and shifting it. <laughs> very mm -hmm. nice and easy. You're taking the verb and making it a noun. You're taking the noun, making it a verb. I do want to say that while I expressed my disdain for this at the very beginning, it's mostly in the context of that that old, could I even call it my bete noir, business jargon. It seems like this is really something that happens a lot in, in business talk and in ad speak. And that's when it really, really bothers me. I do, th I do think there's use to it, and it's kind of fun in, in just in our language and, and as we see our language changing. But when it really bothers me is in those contexts, in business and, and ad speak. I, I actually agree well, with that's you That's actually on that. interesting, Fletcher, because you're, you're talking about a, basically an area where lexical change, where language change occurs quite rapidly, and that is in business. It's meeting new ideas, but people are shoved together from different backgrounds, and jargon jargon rises right out of it. So it does occur more rapidly there. But I still think that, and I can understand why it's annoying. And there was an interesting article, a linguistic article, talking about that. People really get bent out of shape over this specific area of language change. I think they get bent out of shape a lot of areas of language change. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very obvious why, because we don't like change. We're humans. We don't like change as much as we as we should, I think, in that sense, or as we have to. If I may interject, though, I think that there's a time and a place. I think that it's one thing, like, I got to admit, I was one of those people who hated impact when it changed. I use it now. I can't help it. I do. But I think, like, when Fletcher's talking about some of the business ones, advertising, is one where they it's a little too cutie. I found a couple of examples uh -huh. that make me want to scream. Like Turner Classic Movies had a verbed movie for an ad campaign. It was like, let's movie. Mm -hmm. Tonight, everyone should movie. And that's just like, makes me want to vomit. I'm sorry. I think you're right, but I think that gets more less into language changes, more into annoying advertising words. And <laughs> <Is that okay>? <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I mean, speaking Fletcher we were I mean, we were all talking about the Oscars before and I love watching uh, Turner Classic movies and one of my pet peeves is curated wine collections that they're always adding, they're always advertising. You can mix, you can match your wine to the various movies. And everything is, is flipping curated all the time. And I feel like screaming when I hear that word. And that has nothing to do with language change. It has a lot to do with just their being jerks. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say one more thing. Kathy and I were talking about this. We could also, Kathy said the, the term here is functional, functional shifting. I'm sorry, my mind went. I was thinking of the Greek technical word, which is used in English. It's anthemeria. So if you really want to wow people with your linguistic knowledge, you could talk about your Fletcher being anti-anthemeria. So. <laughs> Sounds like a, doesn't that sound like a, uh, what do you call it, horticultural term though? Like, uh-oh, my anthemeria <laughs> is like dying. <laughs> it needs more sun. <laughs> and we're going to go through now a number of words and talk about like how we think they're recent, but they're not recent. Uh, we could give you lists and lists and lists of words that have verbs that have become nouns and nouns that have become verb over the centuries. So I'm not sure I'm pro or against, I'm just saying it's happening. Am I against thunderstorms? 
I'm not wild about them a lot of times, but <laughs> they're there. Them. I'm not going to think about it. Firmly <laughs> against them. Well, I think that we have to make the point that like, the case of verbing is like, there's a re- there is a reason for it in many cases. Sometimes it's not like I said before, like let's movie, which is like an at a copywriter and in fairness as former PR writer here, I understand how that happens. But a lot of times verbing it's it's it becomes a shortcut. It's 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 actually a snappier way of saying something because the the noun encapsulates something and if you change it into a verb you immediately get it. It's boom, picture. It's there's there's not a Do you know what I mean? Am I am I making it clear? Uh, complete sense, Kathy, because we had that one example right now. Um, my, I, I got rear-ended. My car was rear-ended. Rear-end is is a, is a noun. Uh, rear-ended is we're making it into a verb. And I think rear-ended is a lot quicker than saying my car got hit in its rear end or something like that. Or by be, and behind or by behind. Or behind. Moment. And then today, I mean, we, we made a joke about it. Fletcher said, gee, I hope I'm awake for Monday's uh, talk because I've been Oscaring. Now, that was a joke. To be fair to Fletcher's usage of that, and Fletcher seems to be very anti-anti-thimeric, um, Oscaring is very vivid. I can picture saying I'm watching the Oscars in a way is less vivid than I'm Oscaring. Oscaring to me has, which is not a verb, incidentally, but Oscaring to me has a very vivid feeling of really looking at something and really taking it in. Dialoguing is a, is a verb. Yeah. A noun made into a verb, and dialoguing to me has is more vivid than chatting or having a dialogue. Maybe I'm I wrong. hate. I disagree. I'm sorry. I could detest dialoguing. I really do. I think well, talking... dialoguing is one of those that feels businessy to me. It, it feels, mm. or you know, or or you go to your leadership seminar and you're dialoguing. You know, it, it, <laughs> it has it has that feel to me. And and l- let me reiterate that that. It, that's the context in which this really, really bothers me. Ross, you mentioned rear ending, and I think that's a great example of how much we've absorbed it into our language. I don't think people would really look at you weird if you said my car was rear ended. I don't think people would think anything of it. They would know you meant your car got hit in the rear mm-hmm. end. They wouldn't even think, oh, that's an interesting turn of phrase. That's just the mm-hmm. verb we use now. It's a verb. The thing, though, weirdly about going back now with dialoguing, which I hate. I hate because I agree with you, Fletcher. It sounds like I'm dialoguing on the way to the leadership seminar and then I'm going to, I don't know, whatever. I have the big ask and, and what's the build of the new model. <laughs> right. I hate it. It actually, though, here we go again, was first used back in the 1600s mm-hmm. as a verb. But actually, Kathy, 1595 to be technical. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Five years <laughs> off, man. I tell you, I, I need more coffee. <laughs> yeah. You better do your research there. Yeah. But but the thing that bothers me, though, because the argument always is it's been it's been done for years and years and years. But I got to go back to dialogue now used as a verb is is in that business context that I, I find irritating. Mm-hmm. I do find it jargony. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what are the examples of dialoguing back in the 1600s? I, I assume they weren't going to business meetings. Yeah, we have Shakespeare. We have Quakers. I was just looking at the uh, Oxford English Dictionary. Quaker, Coleridge in the 1800s even. That's one interesting thing that I think Kath and I were talking about also, though. A lot of times these, the verbing and nouning follows a weird sine wave. It'll be really big in the 15 or 1600s go almost to zero in the uh, 17 or 1800s, maybe 1900s, then sort of zoom back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, language is constantly shifting and there's nothing really written stone on any of these. 
I think it's also easy to forget that people in the 15 and 1600s were also creative with language. It's not just something that we do now. We don't people were playing with language then too and so it's not necessarily surprising that this sort of thing was going on then either. No, I mean, yeah. we have a we have a psychologist Steven Pinker estimated we found that up to a fifth now up to is always dangerous does that mean you know up to a fifth can be one percent too but up to a fifth of english verbs are derived from nouns and he mentions things like rain snow thunder Mm -hmm. oil pressure bottle you know we elbow an opponent we mouth a greeting we strong arm a collie you know on and on so there are thousands of them anyway do you want to start now Catherine? we had as a recent example plating you plate your meal. You hear that all the time on restaurant, you know, on, on your top chefs and whatever. How does the plating go and blah, blah, blah. So then we started wondering, well, if you've got plating, that's one of those things where we said it makes it clearer. But you don't talk about bowling your soup or, or, or glassing your wine or cupping your coffee. Or cupping your coffee. Well, but maybe I'm wrong. But plating isn't just putting your food on the plate, right? It not it? also related to how it's arranged on the plate? Yes. Not to, not, uh, uh, eh, eh, eh. Plating oh, can just boy. be putting it on a plate. Okay. I watch a lot of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> you can just, plating can also, it's, it's gotten now to the point where you want to plate it nicely, which is your presentation. But but plating just literally means slopping it on, I mean, like, like, a, like a two-bit diner can just slop some beans on a plate, and that's still plated. They plated the beans. But yeah, so you don't cup or bowl or glass. But then we found cupping was used as a verb <laughs> to mean to draw blood by means of cupping glasses. And of course, cupping your hand, which comes from the 1830s. So I think we're getting right back into this wonderful thing about English and most languages. They're kind of a mess and you really can't <laughs> make firm pronouncements about anything. But I think you can get irritated constantly. That's my theory. <laughs> oh, we also found, I'm sorry to throw that in, verbing is, as is, is, I assumed verbing was a fairly new word. It sounded like a new construct to me, but it's actually back, um, verbify was in the 1800s, and verb as a verb actually is pretty recent, is 1936. Mm. That's pretty recent. Yeah, for sure. So now we, let's move on to nouning quickly. And Fletcher, you are going to take part in a little quiz after this as well. <laughs> I'm sure you're thrilled. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, nouning is taking a verb and making it into a noun. It's technically called nominalization. And there are two types of nominalization. The first kind is sort of obvious. Um, investigate is a verb, uh, is a noun, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, is a verb. And then from there, we add a suffix, investigation, and make it into a noun. And the type that we're going to really focus on here is called zero derivation or conversion. This is when the um, it looks the same. And it switches from a verb to a noun. And like, I think the example we had here was like get. And here's an advertising phrase that annoys me too, or a a marketing thing. Winning that new sales account was an amazing get. Mm -hmm. And get here is a noun. I'm thinking uh, just just instantly uh, about poker. And when people talk about 
a bad beat. Yeah, a bad beat. Or a tell. A tell. A tell. Like, you know, when somebody uh-huh. has a tell, yeah. which was always my problem in poker. <laughs> but we won't discuss that. <laughs> but yeah, but I wanted to say, Russ, uh, in both cases, zero derivation applies to both nouning and verbing that we're talking about. Because in both cases, the word is the same. Yes, it does. You're right. Yes, that was I was all. specifically speaking about nouning here, but you're right. Okay. So now, now, let's get going on. What came first? The chicken or the verb? There's the test. (laughs) Here's our quiz. So we have Fletcher. We have the noun chicken, which comes from the old English. And we have a verb. Chicken is in chickening out. So, Fletcher, when did the verb chicken come about? Take a guess. These are not, I mean, you don't have to be exact on the date, but we're going to say, we're going to give you a range here. 1789 plus or minus. 1455 plus or minus. Or 1943, plus or minus some years. (laughs) It feels like it ought to be really early because, you know, people would have been messing with their chickens quite a lot back then. But I'm actually going to say late, in the 1900s. 1943. Nice. (laughs) It means it came U.S. slang, and it was almost always without. You don't say, like, someone just chickened. It right. was always chicken out. So you were very right. The word the word chicken itself came about much, much earlier. <laughs> much, much. <laughs> it's from all sorts of like proto-Germanic words that I'm not going to attempt. So 1943, of course, the war is going on. Does this have, I don't mean that it's necessarily related to the war, but there are a whole lot of guys together doing stuff. Um, it seems <laughs> like, I mean, it, you know, it, it seems like weird phrases like that would have, arisen from a whole lot of people in one place together. Do you know what I mean? I have to correct Yeah, I, I think you're right. The only problem is, as we were speaking, I looked up chicken on another etymological dictionary, and they're saying it arose a slang around 1930. Okay. Oh, no, I'm saying 1888. <laughs> well, I just saw... And then now, I, hold up. Before we go into that, I just saw 1864. <laughs> we're we're going to get back to 1455 soon enough. We keep going. <laughs> yeah, I have it as, as initially being um, a for, in a foul ball in a game, which is cute. Oh, it's a pun, though. Hold it. That's a pun. A foul Chickens ball. out is a new name for a foul. So, yeah, you don't foul out. You chicken out. Get it? Uh, 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 well, here's uh, someone saying, I think this is preposterous, but... It came from 1864, Union Army enlisted, enlistment, which chicken was provided to each person, and they would take the chicken home and cook it for dinner, and then they'd be going. Uh, that just seems preposterous. That's the problem with word origins, though. I think I think it was just people looking at uh, chickens. I, think so too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that seems... Yeah. <laughs> you can trust me. <laughs> the Random House Historical Dictionary of American Slang has 1933 and um, Jimmy Dolan, a film. Ain't turning chicken, are you? Interesting. It sounds, it sounds so 30s or 40s to me. I'm sorry, it really does. It, it has that like, yeah, you know, Jimmy Cagney sort of pronunciation. And most places say it's from the 40s, so yeah. So we're they right. They do. Although now here they're saying that perhaps Dickens may have coined it. This is just getting... No, it came, trust me, it came from the 40s. Yeah, there we go. Okay? <laughs> Done. Ain't turning chicken, cat. Okay, here's another one, Fletcher. Knock, as in K-N-O-C-K. Which came first, the noun or the verb? There was a knock on the window, or the verb, she knocked on the window. Oh, yeah. Ooh. 
just um, my gut feeling is that the noun came first. Very good. Very wrong. Except, oh. <laughs> except, except that wrong. you're wrong. No, I know. Except <laughs> that you're wrong. Now, it's interesting, though, because knock basically I think is, is sort of imitative. It sounds sort of like what it is. So therefore knocking is, is something that's active. So it's the verb. But it was a very good guess because I thought it would be. I th- had thought a long time ago it was a noun as well. A long time ago being earlier in the week. Ross, <laughs> 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 right, come on, you've been thinking about this for years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next is reveal. The word reveal. Now we now know something like let's reveal the truth, or we have reveal as a noun, as in they did the reveal at the end of The Bachelor, or. Mm-hmm. The reveal of the baby shower showed that it was going to be a boy. How old do you think reveal as a noun, as in there's the reveal, is? We'll give you 1700s, 1400s, or 1900s. I wanted to say 1800s, so I'm going to say 1700s. Fletcher, there you are wrong. Okay. It stems <laughs> back to the, I was going to say the 1600s, but actually we have the first date is 1596. So who's counting? That's really the 1600s. It is. And the interesting thing here, we go back to the old sine wave or whatever, because it was used a fair, a fair amount apparently in that era. And then it disappeared after, the, um, after that, until the uh, more modern times. And this is what I'm just going to throw out. This is when I, they're doing a baby shower reveal. I really don't. I know language changes and all that, but this one bothers me. And I mean, they also use it in the, 19, in the 50, 1950s as well. So it's the 1900s, 1600s, 1900s with a big gap in between. I don't know if I mind the reveal because because in the in the in the context of entertainment, I, I suppose it should be the revelation. I know. But that sounds so it's I, you Biblical. want something more. It's, yeah, it does. It's sort of like, and then, and then doth we see. And the clouds do part. Now, it's <laughs> yeah. like if it's, if it's a baby or the winner of a show or like how they redecorated the room reveals a little more, you know, zhuzhy, it's zazzy. It's got like vip, you know? I don't mm-hmm. mind it. How do you feel, Fletcher? Uh, you've pulled me a little bit to your side, Kathy. I, I minded it about two minutes ago a lot more than I do now. So good good work. Well, my theory in life is keep talking and eventually wear them down. This next word is really interesting because this one really, it shocked both. Uh, shocked is perhaps too strong of a word, but it, it surprised Kathy and me. The word is download and it's a computer term. And when did it come into existence as a verb? to download uh it's a, and it is a computer term it didn't exist before that no but but no no i'm, I'm just saying we now know it as a computer term. i'm saying when did it come ah, into existence oh okay mm-hmm. that was a that bad was clever question you noticed <laughs> that i phrased the question poorly because fletcher now latched on to something <laughs> yeah no right it's like it's russ it's like giving a test to hercule poirot or something the little yes, gray cells. <laughs> oh gosh I, I mean i don't know what else it could I know it in no other context other than computers. So um, let's back up just a little bit from that and say uh, 1900. I mean, obviously there are no computers then. I'm just trying to back up from bef- till before computers mm-hmm. because it seems clear that that's, that's the case. Well, I think we kind of led you down the, the wrong path by saying that it was non-computer because yeah. you're right. 
because it was actually 1962. Okay. But it was not from, a com- but not from a computer. Uh, oh, well, pfft, goodness. Okay. It was actually first used um, to mean to unload something, especially used in military senses. Like you'd unload people or cargo from a, a ship or a aircraft or something. You download the C forty four. Uh huh. Okay. If there is such a thing. So they're like it, offload, unload, download. They were sort sort of all the yeah. same thing. Okay. Yeah. Which that to me That's, was odd. It really surprised me too. I really was surprised at that. And as I said, I was shocked. But you know, I was. I was quite surprised. I didn't think when Kathy found that. I thought it was completely a computer term, and and it isn't. We found Kathy. I think you found it in the Wichita Falls Times. I remember. Yeah, that's and where I, I'm often did. reading that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, they were downloading aircraft personnel, and I I just I thought it was completely computer. Yeah, uh, in terms of using it as a verb, downloading it was as a computer term. It wasn't used on uh, first published in according to the OED, mind you, seventy five, mm-hmm. which is awfully yeah. late. I mean, used as a noun. In, in, in computer context, it was 68. So it took that long for it to, to become a, a verb, which shocked me. That shocked me. Do you, Should we go to friend, Russ? Yeah, let's do friend. That's what I was thinking, too. Another common term in computer parlance, but we're going to, I'm not going to give you any clues now, but friending or friended as a verb. Friend is a verb. When did it come around, Fletcher? Um, let's just, just take, take an era. 1900s, 1800s, 1700s, 1600s. It, it feels uh, it feels sort of late 1700s, early 1800s, maybe maybe mid 1800s. It feels Jane Austeny to me. Well, Fletcher, I think you should start reading Shakespeare more frequently. Yeah, because we have 1599, Henry V, and going backwards, we have it dating back to basically late Old English, the 1300s or 1200s. Wow. So it's ancient. That really, yeah, make no purses to friend yourself therewith. That surprised me, that one. I, I, I actually would have, would have squarely put that in the 2000s, personally. I would have assumed it was a direct offshoot of social media, specifically Facebook, frankly. Although people friended in MySpace, didn't they? I don't remember MySpace. Anymore. Well, there was even, a, even prior to MySpace, there was Friendster, and I think, I mean, oh, I don't know yeah. if people friended. Do you guys I, don't know you... I think this is a good word, a good verb. I think it means something a bit different than making friends with someone. And particularly now in the computer age, I think it really has a specific meaning that I don't. How would we say it without I made friends with him on Facebook sounds more like you. I don't know. That sounds a little bit different. Became friends with someone. Yeah, it does actually. There's a layer, a, a layer of, of intimacy or something. I made friends with someone on Facebook means I met them on Facebook and now they're my friend. Right. Yeah. As opposed to my, I mean, like I make the difference when I talk to like Randy and stuff. I always go, oh yeah, so and so is my Facebook friend, who's not really yeah. a friend, but you know, yeah. Maybe it is a friend, but it's not necessarily a friend, which I think makes the big difference. Yeah, I think this is interesting because friend, having a friend, that noun turned into this verb, friending, or to friend, right, on Facebook, mm-hmm. which is the specific thing of clicking friend this per whatever, clicking so that you are connected yeah. with this person on Facebook. And then taking that, that verb, friending, now you talk about your 
friend on Facebook or your Facebook friend. And that's different from mm-hmm. the noun version of friend that came before that transition. That's a good point. Right? It, so it, abso- you're absolutely that, right. That kind yeah. of friend is different from the other kind of friend that existed before friending someone on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a different level of, of it's it's a yeah, it's a it's a nuanced meaning of friend. It's not the old friend. Yeah. You're absolutely right. No. And that's what's valuable about sometimes, I mean, words changing, I mean, words sometimes change for real, you know, for really good reasons like this. It means something different. I, I, it's odd, though. I, I, one day we should actually look at all the words that have, have, have been generated from social media because there's there's a myriad of them oh, aren't there yeah. when I think about it. Oh, yeah, it, so many. That we now use, I use without thinking. Okay, we're nearing the end. I think we should end with our egg again. Do you want to do that, Kath? I was curious about book though for a minute okay let's do oh this is yeah this is a really good one fletcher you're younger than we are and so we're curious about this what does this mean i've got to book um like i've i gotta i gotta run i gotta get out of here yeah or or, or i have to move quickly one you know something along those lines yeah we got interested in book as a as a as a verb because a we weren't sure if people even used it that much anymore as in i got a book and then we got curious like how did we get I've got a book. I mean, like, why book? <laughs> Good. I don't know. Do, yeah, we, is, does it? I mean, is it possible it comes from? It doesn't come from the thing that we read. It comes from some other word. We're not sure. We think it could come. There, there is no definitive answer to this. We think it could come from booking out of a hotel, and book in that sense would have something to do with the paper or whatever. But others say it comes from boogie. I've got a boogie. I've got a book. Yeah. I think booking out of a hotel. A boogie doesn't make sense. No, to that, it's not... that one doesn't feel right. No, I, I haven't said it. I think it's more booking out of the hotel. Because it's yeah, like I you agree. can see it in a crime drama. I've got a book. You know, they're on me. You know, why yeah. am I talking like this? <laughs> I don't know. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the Oscars. The Oscars have done this to me. <laughs> Before we go, have you guys? I think this might be a, a, an example of adjectiving, actually. But one that I'm having a little bit of trouble adjusting to right now is cringe. Have you mm. seen this? Oh that, my God! Yes, that, that's oh. like yes. Some, something is really cringe. Rather, Cringy, right? Yes. Well, well, I mean, like even just cringe. That is cringe. Yeah. People, rather than something that you cringe at, it that thing itself has become cringe. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. It's weird. It's not yet cringe as a noun isn't yet in um, the OED. Well, I don't think it would be because it's pretty new. It's pretty new. I'm just wondering, is it in is it in Webster's? I'm curious. It's in dictionary.com, which has definitions from Oxford as an act of cringing. Yeah, as an act of cringing. I, uh, yeah, but not as. But that's not different. In, in that's like not as a. Yeah. That is a cringe. No, not even a cringe. No, no, no. You guys are turning this into no, a no, noun. It's, cr- it's an this, adjective. This is an adjective. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Something is cringe. I don't see it anywhere. Cringe. Wiktionary has it. Yeah, you'll see it in something like that or probably something like Urban yeah. Dictionary. But uh, give it and a... here's a title. This is pretty cringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Give it another year or like two. It. It'll be in, it'll be in yeah. you know, Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster. Oh, this is and it's useful and in, in they, they tell us how to do superlatives and comparatives too that's cringe that's more cringe that's most cringe so that's very good to know <laughs> that's interesting i'm just yeah that's so cringe 
man, <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like it. I, it's growing on me like already. <laughs> That's so cringe. But it is funny how quickly we we do. We initially don't like don't like various words, and suddenly we've come to like them. Fletcher, I think, did the world's record in terms yeah. of uh, transitioning from <laughs> pro or con to pro in terms of uh, a verbing. But we had the last one here. We started with chicken with the quiz. <laughs> and now, Fletcher, we started with what came first, the chicken or the verb. So now we're going to go, which came first, the verb or the egg? <laughs> we know egg is a noun. I had fried egg this morning. Actually, I didn't, but we could. I could have had fried egg. And now the verb, they egged him on. Oh. Now, I can't imagine those come from the same place. Those two words. I don't like oh Fletcher my. anymore. I, I, I don't okay, know. You know I, what? I this is that. just so cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're Fletcher right. Fletcher ruined our surprise, Kathy. <laughs> you guys have been testing me for too long. Now I'm onto your game. <laughs> You're right. They're not from the same place. <laughs> and the verb came first, which shocked me. The verb came. Okay. Well, I mean, like what? I guess, I guess if they're not from the same place, why should I be surprised that the verb came first? They're not even related. No, exactly. So. Yeah. So where, you ruined the, everything. I tend to do that. Where, where does, um, yeah. Where does egg as a verb come from? It came from the old Norse eggia, or eggja, which means to goad. And egg comes from actually in that sense from edge. So it's a it's completely different derivation. Yeah, wow. Whereas the noun egg, meaning the body formed in the females of all animals, uh, in which by impregnation the development of the fetus takes place, if you want the whole definition, <laughs> and I'm sure you did, comes from the mid 14th century. So it's it's mm. it's it's substantially uh, younger mm -hmm. than egging one on. Well, I think we we can end with Catherine. There's egg on our face on this one. <laughs> well, there's also, you can egg someone as in pelting with yeah. eggs. And I have a feeling I wouldn't mind doing that just about now, but I won't for it would be quite cringe. <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.